So again, here we uh, welcome Dr. Lynn Marzulli, and he's our regular guest, uh, obviously a friend of drywind.net, and he's the best-selling author of the Nephilim Trilogy. He received an honorary doctorate from Pacific International University for his work on the biblical subject of the Nephilim. Uh, his fantastic recent book, Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural, expands on his research on the paranormal phenomena such as UFOs, abduction phenomena, genetic manipulation, and how they uh, relate to the grounding of biblical prophecy in current events. And Lynn came to know Jesus Christ after the disillusion and deception of New Age spiritualism. You can purchase his book, subscribe to his newsletter, and read his blog, which is great, and find a wealth of information on spiraloflife.wordpress.com or just go to spiraloflife.com. Either one will get you there, I think. So, Lynn, uh, I'd like to, I don't know if uh, there's different directions we could take this. Maybe I was thinking about doing maybe a quick roundup of current events and then uh, getting into a little bit deeper into the uh, idea of, of the spirit world and how it relates to our our reality and mm -hmm. uh, also how it relates to prophecy, uh, which is sure. a little different direction than we've gone before, not limiting ourselves to uh, UFOs and that phenomenon, although we can certainly discuss that. One of the things that we've got going on right now, of course, in terms of current events, is the Middle East seems ready to blow. Mm -hmm. um, we've got uh, Syrian troops massing on the uh, Lebanon border. We've got the Russians building out the port of Tarshish. And uh, we've got uh, chaos in the United States, chaos in Israel, both politically and economically. Uh, so this seems to be going pretty much the way you've described. And, and of course, you related back to to the Bible. Uh, and and that is that is the authority. I mean, that's when, when people are always trying to press me to give a date when is this thing going to happen. And I said, look, I, I don't, I'm not a date setter because there's no, there's no date in the prophecy. The prophecy just tells me this is what's going to happen in the latter days, uh, in the, in the end times. And if we look at the sequence of the prophecies, in other words, uh, when you, when you, in, in our modern Bible, we've broken everything into chapters. So you have Ezekiel 37, 39. But when you, in the ancient world, when you would look at the scroll, you would just read the scroll. There were no chapter headings. And what's interesting is, of course, with that view in mind, when you go um, from Ezekiel 37 and, and you, let's say, eliminate chapter headings, well, what comes next? What we would call 38 and 39. It seems like things are ramping up for this war. I realize there's a new book out um, that talks about uh, I, um, Psalm 83 rather than Ezekiel 38. And the only, the only thing I would say to that is that, it, in my opinion, Psalm 83 has already been fulfilled which is, you know, just really bizarre when you think about it. But when you look at the nations that are listed in Psalm 83, and, and you, a person needs to go back and, and understand where those ancient, the names that the Psalm 83 uses, um, and you need to get a, a more of an ancient map and understand where those places correspond to, you will find, in my opinion, that this has already been fulfilled. But those nations, those Arab nations listed in that Psalm 83 prophecy is the 67 war, verbatim, in my opinion. 38, Ezekiel 38 and 39, is totally different than what Psalm 83 is. And what we're seeing, of course, is we're seeing the players being assembled on the stage. Uh, the Russians have now just come right down into the fray. Uh, last summer when they moved into uh, Georgia and Ossetia, 
Uh, that certainly caused great alarm here in the West. People looked at that and said, oh, my gosh, you know, this nothing has really changed. And in some ways, nothing has. Putin is the same ex-KGB or KGB guy that he was, uh, you know, before the former Soviet Union uh, um, broke up and, and, and into what we have today. Uh, I'm, I'm very alarmed with what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, in my newsletter uh, this month, which I would, you know, for a buck fifty, how can you go wrong? You can cancel you it go. at any time, you know. But I mean, it's like it'll probably go out over the weekend or maybe Monday. It'll be a little late, but it's the October newsletter. Um, a quick little, you know, thumbnail sketch. We're gonna, we're talking. We've already blogged about it, but we're actually really getting into it. Uh, and it's more of a news magazine. Newsletter is kind of a misnomer, so I've changed it to the monthly news magazine. Because at 30 pages, it's a magazine. It's not a newsletter, which is usually one to two pages. So, um, all that being said, you know, you can go to my blog, lamarzili.wordpress.com, and it's right up there on the right-hand side. You can just sign up for it. But in it, we're gonna we're gonna really get into and discuss um, the idea of the. And of course, Western media isn't following us at all. You got to you got to go to Middle Eastern sites to, to even find out what's happening, but Syria has placed uh, over 10,000 troops and tanks on the Lebanese border. They have literally surrounded the country, and they've got it in the, clan, the classic pincer maneuver. They've got a um, a tank uh, a tank unit up on the north, and then down on the south they have another one. So you can see they can just close right in in a pincer move. Classic. I mean, it's just classic. And and what the heck is that for? Um, then of course we get we have uh, I, the idea that this so-called earthquake. There were two of them. One was a four point something, and the other one just recently was a five point something, five uh, kilometers apart from each other. Uh, it sounds a little little weird to me in Iran, right? So some people are saying now that uh, the Iranians have actually tested uh, uh, nuclear weapons underneath, you know, deep under the ground. Uh, that's another thing. A third thing, which we got no, no press over here, or the press that we got was could have just been spin. You remember that there was this, there was an ocean liner or a tanker, or I guess it was a tanker, okay, loaded with cargo that was so-called uh, captured by pirates. Well, the right. off, off the east coast of Africa. What's interesting is that this was an Iranian vessel, and and I haven't been able to pin this down. So right now it, it's still rumor. So it was an Iranian vessel. I thought it was. I heard something about it was a Ukrainian vessel. Well, there you go. And I, you know, the stories I I looked at, I thought it said Iranian, but I could be wrong in that. But what's bizarre is people were saying that this was a dirty bomb that was going to go into the Israeli port mm. and and detonate then, which would have just you know created some sort of a nuclear. Um, well, even the bottom event. line, whether it was Ukrainian or Iranian, doesn't matter. Yeah. We had the Western nations. Uh, sending uh, not small warships, we're talking uh, major warships uh, around that area, and that includes Russia, it includes NATO, and includes the United States. So clearly there might have been more going on there based on the uh, incredible amount of naval activity. And, you know, perhaps the, the, the guy on the street, like, like, you know, the two of us, will probably never know unless right. someone someone leaks it. But, you know, you've got to read, we've got to read between the lines, and I've heard from it's it's all over the net on different different sites, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, if, so one person run with that same story, and then another person picks it up, and another person picks it up, and so now it's all over the net. So there's, I have no way of, of authenticating that, and I have no inside source to whether it's true. 
Um, it's, but it, see, it's happening on, on so many different levels. All of a sudden, the price of oil is way down again. And mark my words, that puppy's going to go up to 200 bucks a barrel. You wait and see. And well, probably absolutely. in 2009. That thing is, we're going to, we're just going to get toasted. And this whole thing is just, you know, we are, we are, the American people and really the people on the planet, we're being herded. And I use that word deliberately. We are literally being herded. And of course, that begs the question, who are we being herded by? And, I think there's people on the inside who know who they serve, the Luciferians, the Illuminati, whatever, whatever name you want to peg on them. And then there's other people that, that are just pawns, that, that, you know, are going along with this thing because it seems to be the thing to do. It's a question of who's really in on the inside. This is where I'm at. You know, you talked about the whole spiritual dimension of what is happening now. Paul writes 2,000 years ago. And this is why I'm a conspiratologist, but I'm not the typical conspiratologist that, you know, pins the Illuminati or the CFR or the Bilderbergers and, you know, on and on it yeah. goes, right? There's a force behind that. And Paul talks about the mystery of iniquity as at work. And he writes about that 2,000 years ago. That mystery of iniquity has been, has been, has constantly been pushing its agenda forth. And, and the tentacles of that agenda are, are reaching and are, are basically are far reaching. The end game is to bring in the son of perdition i.e. the Antichrist. That's the end game. And that, that mystery of iniquity will work and until that is established, which is chilling to think about. And are we in that window of time? I sort of think we are. So it's it's a question of who serves it, how it how it works, but the machinations are go back two thousand years ago, literally, to the time when Paul writes about it. The mystery of iniquity works and is already at work and will continue to work. You know, and and it's it's got an agenda. So that's my conspiracy is, or my, you know, as a conspiratologist, that's what I link to. It's a supernatural conspiracy by, by literally Satan himself, by Lucifer, and, and it, it's yeah. moving. And that's right. You know, I mean, we can attribute these things to human agencies, but that's certainly not seeing the whole picture according to the way that the Bible describes it, which I believe is an accurate description about principalities, powers, and spiritual there wickedness is. in high right. places. Okay. High places meaning not only literally in government high places, but also dimensionally high places, and often possibly atmospheric high places, as the mm -hmm. Bible typically is. There's a range of meanings coming out that layer on top of one another that all point to the same message. And this message that is that the prince of the power of the air, which is in the Bible described as a god of this world is is manipulating things of course above it all ab far above it all is is the Lord God the true mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. um, who knows exactly what's going to happen who's outside of time um, who's laughing at all of this and knows of course that ultimately this is going to work in towards the purpose of the coming kingdom of Jesus one of the, the things that uh, you you talked about this, I forgot which show you talked about it on, but you hinted at it. Since we're getting into the spiritual dimension, which I think is a good direction to talk about, um, one of the things that I found is people in the Christian world think, uh, in, in other, in not only Christian world, and just generally, think of the spiritual world as ethereal, as somehow there's the physical world and then there's this other spiritual existence. But that's not the way that the Bible teaches it. The Bible teaches the spiritual world as a continuum of our existence. And it, obviously it talks about principalities being associated with geographical regions. 
and uh, we know we see that in Daniel, but we not only see that on the negative side, we see it on the positive side mm -hmm. as God being very concerned with the nation Israel, with with Zion, with with Jerusalem, you know, with the Mount of Olives. We have all of these um, localities mentioned. So, I, what are your thoughts on? How this, you know, and we're guessing here, we're, we're, we're speculating, but we'll hopefully speculate and in, in maybe in a, an interesting direction about how these localities are in operation and maybe how that relates to some of this phenomena that we've been seeing. Well, last time I think we talked a little bit about the idea that the ancient area of Babylon, and, and I believe literally that we will see petrodollars pour into that city and that thing will be raised up. I mean, you watch what happens in the next couple of years. Watch how that ancient city of Babylon, all of a sudden, like Dubai, just comes up, mm -hmm. and you know they will, they will pour billions of round the clock, billions of dollars in round the clock construction, and we will see modern Babylon rise up on the on the ancient ruins of that city. And the reason for that is that principality that, that Daniel, uh, that the angel that comes to Daniel uh, after 21 days of fighting, which is very disconcerting when you think about it. Daniel prays the prayer, and the angel shows up and goes, Hey, I was dispatched 21 days ago, but the Prince of Persia restrained me. Uh, okay. In fact, I had to go back and get reinforcements. It was so bad. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear that. That's not, that's not really good news. And the thing is, that principality, as far as I know, has never been deposed. It rules that area. It rules Babylon. Isn't it interesting that many Bible scholars poo-poo the notion of Babylon being rebuilt? I don't. I believe that we are on the on the cusp of seeing that. Which and it's funny how you know. It, it, and I've never. If you look at and here's here's the deal. And I, this is like really in this book I'm working on. So I'm giving you guys the ending of the book. Um, <laughs> you know, probably a year before it will come out. And, and I shouldn't be doing that, but I don't care because the information's there. We we've, we've talked about this, but I believe that this what we may have witnessed is what I would call a Luciferian dialectic. And it's it's basically a dialectic is conflict, counter conflict, synthesis. The conflict was nine eleven. And you know, you can you can jump up and down and you know it's an inside job and Bush knew and all this other nonsense and look at building seven and blah blah blah. Okay, you know, take all that. Just you know, take a deep breath and the bottom line is that's the conflict. I don't care who did what. It makes no difference to me. Right. That's the conflict, okay? And on top of that, again, this is why these people that are, you know, that so many people get hung up, oh, it's Bush, oh, it's the Illuminati, oh, it's this. It's Luciferic, guys. You know, there's, there are dimensions, there are principalities that are, that are moving this thing. That's the conflict. The counter-conflict is Afghanistan. But then, for some weird reason, which people still try to scratch their heads and figure out, we, we tumble into Iraq. There's no link to Al-Qaeda there. We tumble into Iraq. Granted, you know Saddam's a monster. You know, I and so were his sons. I mean, I've read the stuff. I, I and I and I believe it. I watched I watched excerpts of the trial. Those people, those Iraqi people, aren't lying. You know, I mean, this guy was an absolute monster. But but what's the prize? You know, we're not getting any oil there. We've been bogged down there five years. Is the prize in fact Babylon? And is the reason why it's it, the place was so crazy? Uh, to hold on to there's so much violence and secular violence and, and just craziness over there is that because the, the ruler and the principality really rules that area so here's the scenario that's the counter conflict we move in and we set something up we set up 
uh, the moment we withdraw, we will set up a power vacuum there. The Iraqis are no, in a million years, those people, there's no way the Iraqi forces can, can hold that place by themselves. It's impossibility. They can't do it. I mean, this is like, this is just a joke at this point, in my opinion, all right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're being trained, but it's all, it's all American. And the moment the American troops leave, and if Obama gets it, you know, you better, you better believe it's gonna happen within six months. This is gonna create a, a power vacuum. And this is exactly, in my opinion, what, what we will see. Iraq needs a strong man. And the, the Maliki government at best is enervated, and he really can't bring all the, the forces, the, diff, the different, political and ethnic forces which comprise Iraq. He just can't do it. Saddam was able to do it through fear and intimidation. That's how Saddam did it. You know, you got out of line, you were shot, or you were through a meat grinder, literally. So, you know, Maliki government is enervated. I don't think they can do it. Iraq will call out for a strong man. Interestingly enough, about four years ago, three or four years ago, when the Iraqis were getting their constitution together, Guess who runs something up the old flagpole? King Abdullah of Jordan. And he goes, hey, look, with, you know, I'd be more than willing to come in and set up a constitutional monarchy. And what most people don't understand, the nations of Transjordan, Iraq, Syria, and what we, what we now have as Israel, were part at one time, before World War I, were part of the old Ottoman Empire, ruled from Turkey, okay? And when the Turks went in with the Germans, and of course that whole, they lost the war, the Brits and the French came in and carved the area up. These are all modern states, you know. And the Hashemite Kingdom at one time was in Transjordan, which is now called Jordan, Iraq, and Syria. So here's the play. And, the, and both, both what happened in, in, in Iraq and Syria, basically the same thing. The Ba'ath Party came in, there was a coup, people got killed, and the Hashemites fled to what is now Jordan, where they set up their kingdom where it continues to be. Uh, the new king, King Abdullah, is very westernized, very articulate, and has gone on, and I've seen this on YouTube a bunch of different times, you know, people running his speeches, he's talking about what are we going to do the day after we make peace. So, in my opinion, he's, he's already already coming in on the white horse, so to speak, um, with the empty oh, empty bow and quiver, that, that, that rider on the white horse, you know, that's shouting peace. Here's the deal, and this is all speculation on my part. So we've got the conflict of 9-11, the counter-conflict, um, we moved to Afghanistan and Iraq. And by the way, the Afghanistan in 2006 had the largest poppy harvest in like five years. Yeah, Hello. It's, it's, it's melting down over there in, in many ways, Not which is good. why they're, uh, I don't know if you ever read Michael Yan's blog. No, I have Michael to. Michael Yan. Send, me, send a, me a link to that. Yeah, absolutely. He's at, I have, a link, have him linked up on drywind.net, and I'll send you a link. Michael Yan is a uh, embedded reporter, an independent embedded reporter. He was in Iraq for uh, several years and now has well, moved to Afghanistan. He was a, a former Navy SEAL, and so he, uh, but he's a very neutral, very articulate reporter. He gets along with multiple sides. He's he's interviewed the Taliban. He's very works very good with the British, the U.S. forces there. His reporting is amazing, and he's very pessimistic. About Afghanistan, and he yeah. uh, he also is was very positive about Iraq. He he saw that as you know, as long as we stay there, eventually they'd be able to stabilize. So I view him as very much a realist, and uh, I, you know we're in to something there that is, uh, I think, not only a uh, a military hornet's nest, but I believe personally a spiritual hornet's nest. And that and that's where I'm going with it. Check this out. So the the conflict of 9/11, the counter conflict is the Iraq 
or the, I should say, Afghan, Afghan war followed by the Iraq confrontation. We know that the Maliki government is, is at best enervated. And there's still, without our presence there, there would be secular violence, Shia against Sunni. That's also fueled by the Iranians. There's no doubt about it, which is why we went into the, into Syria. I mean, Syria is, is, is fueled by not only the Russians, but certainly the, the Iranians are, are funneling stuff to these guys all the time. So, the, you know, people come in, they'll hit the Iraqi and jump across the border. Nah, 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 we can't, you know. And so finally the Americans, for whatever reason, had enough and they've gone on and, and, and flown into, into Syria. This also could be in some sort of like retaliation for the fact that the Syrians have all these troops amassed on the Lebanese border. I mean, we don't, I don't know the, all the military machinations that are going on, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's sort of a tit-for-tat thing. You know, it's like, hey, you don't, you don't want to be doing anything in Lebanon right now. Okay, all that to say, we've got the conflict, the counter-conflict. The synthesis is this. King Abdullah, is first of all a Hashemite king. Hashem is the uncle of Muhammad, so he's a direct descendant from the Prophet Muhammad. Thus, he holds great sway in the Muslim world to both Shia and Sunni, revere him, revere him, okay? They do, because he's a prophet, he's a direct descendant of the Prophet Muhammad. He's also the king, he's also very intellectual, very westernized, he's also a military man. Um, he, that's what he did, he was served in the military, under when his father was king, and of course at the death of his father, uh, the king passed over his elder brother and made Abdullah uh, the, the next king of Jordan, which is a little strange. So we know in Jordan right now it's populated by 75%, or I should say the Jordanian population is 75% Palestinian. Interesting. Here's the scenario. I think you know where I'm going with this. Here's the scenario. We begin to pull out all hell breaks loose in Iraq. They need a strong man. The king of Jordan comes literally riding in on a white horse, brings peace, sets up a constitutional monarchy, sets up his kingdom or his 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 area, not in Baghdad. He rebuilds, you know, and Saddam's already done some of this. Saddam has, has when you never see it, you never see pictures of it, he has apparently, he has several areas in Babylon which, you know, he used to use for housing heads of state or holding meetings for heads of state, that type of thing. Now, I've never been able to pin that down, but that's what I've heard. So the king of Dola comes in, so it's a constitutional monarchy. He's now the king of Iraq. He sets up his kingdom and uh, in, in the capital, not in Baghdad, but moves it to ancient city of Babylon, begins the rebuilding. And then what he does is he takes the northern part of Jordan, or a certain area of Jordan, and he gives it to the Palestinians, and thus creating a separate Palestinian state. Finally, they get to govern. He he now solves the 60-year-old conundrum in the Middle East, the Palestinian um, conundrum, by giving them the northern part of Jordan. They set up their their independent state. Everybody's happy. Also, in the entire planet, there's only one guy who has control of the Temple Mount, and that is King Abdullah of Jordan. He literally has the figurative, the keys to the Temple Mount, like the keys to the city we do in this country. Right. He has the keys to the Temple Mount. He's the only guy in the Muslim world, the only guy in the Muslim world, again, because he's a direct descendant of Muhammad, who can actually go to the Israelis and to the Muslim world and say, we're going to give them the back half of the Temple Mount, 20 acres, we'll put up a wall between the Dome of the Rock as a good as a goodwill gesture to to Israel and allow them to build their temple. They need to do this too. The Palestinians are happy. The Israelis hail him, literally hail him, 
as, you know, the Messiah almost, right? And if he does all those things, which he might, this is all speculation, but if it happens, then we have witnessed a Luciferian dialectic, the synthesis being Babylon is now being re resurrected, the Antichrist has tipped his hand because he's the only person who can cut that deal and, and it signs a treaty with Israel, does the Antichrist, and we know that the Antichrist is, gives the okay to rebuild the temple. So that's my theory, that's, that's my scenario. Could be wrong, but it's based on, you know, years of research and looking at the, the, the tension in the political world. Who's the only guy? I'll tell you one thing, if, if, if Abdullah does not make the deal with Israel, he will be part of it. It's gotta go through Abdullah. There's no way anybody can give that temple mount away except Abdullah. He's the guy that's got control in it. So, I mean, it's, it's almost like a no-brainer. And yet, in the, in here in the West, with our, our all of our prophecy buffs, it's not to be from the Roman Empire. Dun, dun, dun. And well, yet, what we... Yeah. I mean, like, well, uh, for example, Waleed Shobat, who I think right. has a very fascinating view, and, and Chuck Missler have discussed this, and, and they're relating it to, uh, to Daniel 9, uh, verse 26, where it says that the people of the prince that will come will destroy right. the city Jerusalem which happened in AD 70 right. and that was the Roman a Roman legion that did that but the Roman Empire was a very diverse empire and so right. it wasn't only in Italy it wasn't only a European empire hence the name and it was an empire it also had an eastern leg and actually the eastern leg outlasted the western leg Correct. and so it's very feasible that the Antichrist can, would come from Rome but Rome in the eastern side and, and, and that's yeah, and that I've, I've been saying that since I don't know 2002 or something. There's a, a video of me on YouTube spouting that exact thing. That most most, with the exception of Missler and some of the others, most people have forgotten that the that the Roman Empire was two legs, and the and the the, the eastern leg literally lasted another thousand years. While, the, while Europe was in, in the Dark Ages, the Byzantine Empire was flourishing. It was amazing. Right. So it's it also you know the Antichrist being. Um, called the Syrian, and I've been trying to get some background information on Abdullah, the actual line, where it really comes from, and and you know how try to trace it back. If, if, is there lineage back there? So it, it's interesting to see. We'll just have to wait. We're told to watch, you know, and that that's what I'm trying to do. Just kind of watch the area. One thing is for sure. I believe that we are getting back on track here. I believe that that the next thing that we're going to see is this is the fulfillment of the Ezekiel 38-39 prophecy. I think it's just, it's just not, it's not a matter of, you know, if, it's just a matter of when at this point. And I think when is soon. So do you think that, uh, then this, uh, false ET presence, um, would be somehow associated with this Jordanian, uh, peace deal? Because we do understand that there's some sort of signs and wonders involved, maybe eventually, that would somehow unite the world, right? So, do you think that there's might be an association there, or let's 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 kind of walk through it. And this again, this is all scenario. This is just just kind of you know, not shooting from the hip, but this is kind of a scenario that could work. In my book, Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural, I talk about that. There's going to be there's a two prong attack. This Confederacy of Nations, not only did they take out Israel, they tried to take out us at the same time, the United States. There are between two and twenty suitcase nukes embedded in the country. So they detonate these, the handlers that are lying, just waiting for the moment. And know. by the way, let's, let's preface that here with uh, current events. Um, the uh, U.S. Northern Command has been moving 
fairly serious resources into the continental United States in preparation for just that sort of event. Right. And they make it public. You can go on drywind.net. I got it linked from army.mil. I mean, they're not hiding it. They, I think they want us, want the people to know that, hey, we tried to do something. We tried to prevent it. Right. They you trickle, know. they trickle the information out. You gotta know where to look. They trickle it out. And, you know, it's like, why do you think we've been, History Channel and all these other programs are talking about UFOs all the time, every night. You know, that stuff never happened ten years ago. Now it's like, you know, it's, it's making Fox News report, you know, had a, uh, um, has stuff on UFOs now all the time. Same thing with Drudge. Two years ago, that was never the case. We, and, I, and I realize we're, you know, we're way off point again, but, you know, look at Edgar Mitchell coming out. Uh, Hannity interviewed him on, on Hannity's America. He was all over the Drudge Report, Fox News, other, you know, mainstream, um, news outlets. And yet the American people are so asleep in, in general that they won't look at it. I mean, why do you think this stuff is coming out over and over and over again? I mean, there's like specials all the time about the Stevensville UFO flap or the flap up in Wisconsin or Illinois or Massachusetts. Now we've got these these videos that are allegedly taken in Turkey. Um, you know, the verdict is still out on that, but it's, it's you know these things have surfaced finally, and they're all over the internet now. It's a buzz with that, and the phenomena is not going away. So get back on point is this. I think at this that the dirty nukes are already embedded in this country. It will be a two-pronged attack. When they go for Israel, the handlers in this country will detonate the dirty nukes, takes us out of the picture, creates the ultimate chaos. Israel realizes what's going on when, the, when these forces described in Ezekiel 38 and 39 come up against the land of unwalled villages, i.e. Israel, and attack them. When that happens, Israel will then resort to its Samson option, and they will use their neutron bombs against the, the millions of people, or soldiers, I should say, and tanks and armaments and everything else that are coming up against Israel. They'll have no choice. They'll realize that it's not like the Six-Day War where they'll be able to take a, you know, a couple of tank things and outflank. It's, it's not that. It's a whole different scenario. You know, million, millions of people. And, and that's what they'll do, which fulfills that prophecy. When this happens, and hear me out here, I believe that there are two currencies that, that, that every, you're either using one currency as you walk through life or you're using the other currency. They're mutually exclusive one another. The currency of heaven is faith. Okay? The currency of the Luciferians is fear. Mm-hmm. The two, you can't have faith and have fear at the same time. If you, you know, like it says in, in, in scripture, perfect love casts out all fear. And it's true. You can't have fear and faith at the same time. You, the, the two are mutually exclusive. When this thing hits in the Middle East, when Ezekiel 38-39 hits, it is going to create the ultimate climate of fear, like the planet has never seen before or will never really see again until Armageddon. This thing is off the hook, absolutely off the hook. And this will create this climate of fear, and the Luciferians, Satan and his hordes, will manifest at this time. And what I mean by that, um, that's when that's when we will see uh, the, the stuff that they, the UFO sightings that they saw in Stevensville and these other places, that'll actually happen. They'll manifest and just sit there. And this, I believe, causes the great falling away. I write about all this in politics, prophecy, and supernatural. This causes the great falling away. This is a return of the Nephilim. This, um, although it's slightly different than the Genesis 6 deal, isn't it? But this will change people's world's view in a twinkling of an eye. Literally. People will just go, oh my gosh, now what? And from that, there will be a, a one-world government 
will immediately form because the extraterrestrials will, you know, we seeded you, we genetically manipulated you, we started all the world's religions, and now we're here to help you through this time of evolution. Not only it's, it's a great spiritual evolution, we're here to help and guide you. So kind of like the United Nations type of thing, where, you know, like Kofi Annan was, was the president of the UN for a period of time. Well, what if it's the same sort of thing? What if um, King Abdullah becomes the representative? See how easy that could happen? And so now he is like like the, the king of the world, so to speak. And so it's it's a twofer. The the manifestation of of let's say this so-called UFO extraterrestrial presence has finally happened, and people are dealing with that, which I believe will cause a great falling away. You know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of Christians will look at this and believe the lie. They'll believe the lie. Now remember, Jesus himself says, even the elect would be deceived if that were possible. I mean, those, those are some of the most sobering words in the Bible. Even the elect would be deceived if that were possible. So, you know, that begs the question, first of all, who's the elect? And it, what, what does the deception look like that even the elect would be deceived? It, it's, it's bizarre. And I think, I think what we're looking at is the, uh, the, the ET, uh, so-called ET presence being revealed globally. And this will, this will change everything. And this is the Antichrist will will then move into, or I should say, under the aegis of the extraterrestrial presence as a as a world king, or just like the like you know Kofi Annan was president of the UN. It'll be something like that. Well, yeah, and you then, know, I uh, think I think one of the things that uh, that deceives the church, including some Christian researchers who have delved into the UFO subject, is they say, well. You know, UFOs are obviously demonic, and therefore they're spiritual. And they're and they they coined this term residual UFO, and you know, as if all UFOs are somehow ethereal. I think they move in between dimensions, and sometimes they are ethereal, but they obviously manifest in our physical space. Right. right. And I think that that is going to be one of the big challenges to some of the the viewpoints here. Is oh, they're manifesting physically, they somehow have to be then biological or you know if you read the bible it's very clear that in the spiritual world angels appear in physical form right. you That's can right. touch them they can right. manipulate physical objects right you know i think that if the christian world were to understand the very nature of of what the way the bible not the way i'm saying it not the way you say you're saying it but just start with the bible look at the word of god and the way it describes the spiritual world then you can understand when these things manifest in the sky, when they appear next to people's beds and they grab them in, in legitimate abduction phenomena, which does occur, that there is a physical manipulation. And we know, too, that Satan is being is cast out of heaven. That's right. Where is he cast out of? Well, he's cast out of heaven to here, to the earth. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. He's cast into this physical realm, and when he begins manifesting in this physical realm, which... He'll be essentially in the box of the physical realm, restrained from going out into heaven. All H-E double hockey sticks is going to break loose, um, literally, on this earth. One of the things that surprised me, relating to the abduction phenomenon, I wanted to get your comments on this. David Jacobs, who, uh, by the sure. way, for our listeners, is a uh, researcher at Temple University. He's a historian, but he's a very learned person, and he's got into the abduction phenomena, studied it scientifically, discounted the garbage that there, because there's clearly some garbage there, and discovered that there is something going on. 
he believes it's a very dark phenomena and he believes that there's hybridization going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He came out recently, uh, just a few days ago on Coast to Coast and said he didn't think this in the past, he, he made fun of the idea in the past, but he now seriously thinks that there are human-like hybrids walking around that we can't tell that they're, they don't look like they're ETs, so to speak, but they're part of this genetic manipulation that we believe is, is a M.O. of the fallen angels, very clearly from the book of Enoch, from the Bible, that they're now somehow integrated with society. Um, and now he's he doesn't have a Christian view. He's very dark on it. He's right. very bummed right. out. He says, I don't really want to talk about this. Um, but what do you think about that in relation to what you were talking about? Uh, let's just, King Abdullah and all of these things. Do you think that there is a hybridization? I'm not sure on it, you know, but it is well, an interesting. Yeah, this this all mirrors the Genesis six account. It it falls in line with scripture. Jesus says, "So you know, as in the days of Noah, so it will be when I return. Son of man returns when I return." And what he what he means by that, it, you know, we it we first have to look and and decide. What differentiates the days of Noah than any other time of history? And that is the presence of the fallen angels. And if you don't have that viewpoint, in other words, if it's somehow the ungodly line of Seth, then you never get there. You never can figure it out. If, if you don't, if you know, if you hold that, the view that fallen angels can't possibly mate with women, then you never get there. Because, well, what, what differentiates the times of Noah? You can't figure it out. But the moment, moment we cross the line and we realize, that the Benayahu Elohim, these fallen angels, descended, as the Book of Enoch says, and, and other historical accounts, and they, they mated with the women and the offspring, genetic manipulation, where the so-called Nephilim, Nephilim, which is the results of the flood, everything begins to make perfect sense. And now we realize that what differentiates the days of Noah from any other time of history is the presence of the fallen angels mating with the women. This, this mirrors the abduction phenomena exactly. It's slightly different than what it was thousands and thousands of years ago, but it's the same type of deal. And I look, Dr. Jacobs came on. I did an interview with him. I have you know for our monthly news magazine. I'm also working on this new book, um, and I'd love to get back on your show. It'll it'll it's an ebook, Daryl. What's interesting about this? It's um, I decided to go with an ebook because uh, we're for instance today the Christian the uh, Christian Science Monitor decided to go completely e e copy now. So there's no hard no more hard paper, no more hard hard copy. It's all ebook or all e e newspaper for the Christian Science Monitor. And the reason for this is it's because of all we most people get their news not from newspapers, we get them from the internet. We go to different sites, we check this out, we check that out, we follow the links, we go to YouTube, we go to this link, that website, whatever. Everybody's doing it. And so the whole idea of this ebook is exactly that. That as as you read the Dr. Jacobs article, which is part of it, there's actually 20 interviews. The book is called Alien Interviews. At least that's the working title. And when you read that, there's links to his site, YouTube sites, interviews. All this stuff is like right there in the ebook. So getting back to what you know, Jacobs. When uh, what I did is I had Joe Jordan answer the same questions and comment on um, on Dr. Jacobs' answers side by side. So it's really a fascinating interview. Mm. But I I agree. I think that these uh, these hybrids are already here. I think I, I don't want to meet one, by the way. I think it, it uh, Steven Steven Spielberg's movie Taken um, certainly is is a even though it's it's supposedly fiction, it certainly is a great account of ufology, like the roots of ufology for the last 
since World War II, so over 60 years. And the, and the idea of uh, that whole series taken is that finally, after four or five generations, they arrive at a hybrid that looks human and yet has supernatural powers. And that's the little girl played by Dakota Fanning. But you go back a few, a few generations and they don't pass. They've got the big black eyes and, you know, they're obviously not human type thing. So I, I agree with Jacobs. You know, I, can I prove it? No, I can't. And, and they're waiting. Everybody's, it's waiting for this, this, you know, and, and this, this gets into a whole conundrum too. And so he that is taken out of the way, you know, what is restraining? What is restraining this whole thing? People who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, and I'm not going to tell you what I believe in. Frankly, I think we waste all this ridiculous amount of energy and time fighting over this stuff. And the fact that we can, that you can get three different experts for pre, mid, and post, right? And they can each have, quote, scripture to, to the cows come home. And they can, they can defend their position and articulate it so you'll believe whichever one you're listening to. And, and the fact is no one really knows. I mean, honestly, nobody really knows. I hope it's pre. I'm praying it's pre. But the bottom line is let's say that for some reason, the enemy, right, is, is being restrained, and I believe that. And all of a sudden that restraint is taken out. Then, then this stuff is going to manifest. Then we'll see it. So things are being held back right now. Um, the enemy just can't, he doesn't have like carte blanche. He can't go every place and do everything. He's being held in check, which is why when you get someone like, uh, this site, site, a rabbit trail here maybe, but, or a sidebar I should say, Blossom Goodchild, you know, blogging about October 14th and how this huge ship was going to manifest over Alabama, yeah. and she's so sure she's gone back to her spirit dive and she's channeled this and they reassure it's going to happen. And then you look at the October 15th video and she's like, she's she's just blown away. She's hurt. She doesn't understand it. Why would they lie to me? She doesn't use that strong of a language. But the bottom line is, why would they lie to you, Blossom? Because the enemy is the father of lies, and they lie incessantly about everything. But they're also being held back. You know, they're they're in check. And of course, the latest one is Prophet Yahweh, who says uh, that's coming up uh, tomorrow, uh, Friday. As UFO is supposed to manifest between October 31st and November 11th, uh, I do a show on the Q files every Wednesday. I, I, I sub host for Steve Quayle, and we had Prophet Yahweh on yesterday, which was uh, very bizarre to say the least. Um, <laughs> you can go to my blog and read some of the comments yeah, on that show. Yeah, I, I was reading that. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, definitely uh, over the top. But I, you know, he would not answer the question. I said, Prophet Yahweh, if nothing happens on October 31st to November 11th, if no UFO manifests, are you then a false prophet? He would not answer the question because he can't because he knows that you know. Guess what? He, and he kept going, "Oh, that's an impossibility. It's going to happen. It's blah blah blah." It's like you know what? I'm going to bet right now that nothing's going to happen because he's a false prophet and he's prob more than likely. Uh, is is under the influence of what I would term a familiar spirit. Well, right, and and I was going to get into the concept of a familiar spirit a little bit, and it's something I've blogged on. Uh, you know, all of this is part of a continuum, and one of the things that that people often do is they uh, they equate UFO research and ghost research, and then you have people that uh, discuss seeing their dead relatives in association with a UFO. Right. And I always think that that's, that's very, very interesting. Um, my experience in ghost research, and by the way, I used to do it, um, oh. was that it is incredibly deceptive. 
yep. uh, these entities that do appear, they have quite a bit of knowledge about human beings and their human lifespan. And, and the reason that they have knowledge about a particular human is they were their familiar. Huh. And, you know, we would encounter, obviously, you know, situations where you would get historical information, you know, accurately. And it makes sense that you're not actually contacting a human spirit. You're contacting that person's who's long gone. They're familiar. Exactly. And they're they're living out that person's life because That's that it. is a titillating way. That might be the only way that they can manifest. That's I don't know it. all the details. Right. But I think it's definitely related to the UFO phenomena because it is a multidimensional transfer into this space-time continuum mm -hmm. of these entities, and it's very, you know, antithetical to God, too. And uh, I also, you know, one of the things we encountered is it's a seasonal phenomena. And, you know, the UFO phenomena is very seasonal, too. In the nor When the northern hemisphere goes into a winter phase, mm -hmm. these things do seem to manifest more. It's not that they don't manifest in the summer, but if you look at the number of manifestations that occur... Fall period, winter period, f far more. And right now, in Stephenville, what do we have happening again? Those those things are back. The things that right. were out there in January right. and in February are now appearing again. Right. You know, and Yahweh is saying that he can, you know, whether he manifests or not, something that's communicating with him thinks that they have a chance of doing it. So there's some kind of they're they're related phenomena because they are part of this principalities, powers and spiritual you know and high wickedness essentially. And you know, uh, go ahead. It, it's interesting that it says in Second Thessalonians that God sends them strong delusion because they did not believe the truth. And okay, so what's the truth? And the truth is Jesus Christ, you know Yeshua Hamashiach, hung on a cross at Calvary and died for you and me for all the sins of all humanity for all time died once and by his blood we're made right with God period just by by his blood that sacrifice we're made right and all we have to do to get right is just believe on him that's it believe on him that's all that's it and and that's we're, it. we can get born again and but people don't want that and they've rejected the truth and so now God is going to send them strong or allow strong delusion which is exactly what the UFO thing is. Um, this is the coming great deception, and it's like it's just what, what drives me nuts, Daryl. Um, and I realize, you know, I'm just one guy jumping up and down. That the churches are not interested. What I have to say, um, I I've yet to be invited anywhere to speak at a church. Never happens. I've been invited to Prophecy of the News, uh, and did it just just finished a television program with that, which was just great. And it's being aired right now, and and that's fantastic. They have a platform, and you know they really enjoyed the books, and uh, it was it was uh, some really neat interviews. But uh, you know, the churches are not interested in this, and it, it 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 just amazes me. All this phenomena is manifesting everywhere, all the time, and yet for the most part, people it's almost like this like spiritual blindness. It's almost like they're being kept from actually seeing it and looking at it. I mean, it's almost like a spiritual dimension to me, because you know. It, <laughs> <laughs> what is. was it? Yeah, like a couple of weeks ago, when or a couple of months ago, when Edgar Mitchell came out, it was like, yeah, okay. And then last week, when the UK released 
I mean, this is this is major stuff. The UK releases documents yes. from 1957, and the pilot comes forward at the same time. The pilot that was there, he's now like you know 60 years old or something. He comes up and goes, "Yep, I'm the pilot. I was there, and, and here I am. I'm, I'm breaking my security oath." Because he's probably been told that it's okay to do this, because the UK is, you know, releasing these documents, and I, I was told to fire all 24 of my missiles at this object, which, by the way, was larger than an aircraft carrier. Thank you. And it's like, blip. Twelve hours later, you can't even find the story. It's, it's not, you know, no one's running with it. No one cares. It is like, where, where am I? I mean, are people this? Are we this dense? Are we this? You know, are we? so desensitized that we don't get what's going on I mean why would the UK release that why would this man come forward you know and tell us this is what this is what I saw but what people need to realize it's just not one incident it's this is being is constantly pushed now in in media all over the place it's not like it was two or three years ago where the stuff was still really fringe and if you mentioned anything you were ridiculed now people are like Edgar Mitchell coming out on Kerrang Radio, you know, matter of factly saying, "Yeah, Roswell, I was, you know, it's real, it happened, all those things." Well, the government's been covering it up, blah blah blah. And you know, Hannity interviewed the guy. I mean, the stuff is, it's going on, and yet the churches refuse to look at it. And I think, you know, Daryl, when this thing hits, this will cause the great falling away that that Second Thessalonians talks about. And we well, I agree, it. and I, I do think that there are those in the church, and I agree they're few and far between but there, there are those I mean there's people listening to this right now that um, are, are you know some of them are believers they're interested in this um, they're not of course encouraged to be look into this at all but you know if you read if you crack open your Bible again coming right back to that and you read you the go. accounts of Jesus and what he did in the incredible supernatural multidimensional mm-hmm. completion Change that he made in the spirit world and the multidimensional world. It blows me away. In Matthew 27, I would invite the people listening just to read the last few verses of, of Matthew 27, where it talks about when Jesus gave up the ghost, he, he died. That period in Jerusalem, there were seeing the saints, meaning those that had passed away, Old Testament figures, those that had, had lived in the Old Testament times, were seen walking around. <laughs> These are people that were dead that were now living. And, you know, that that is not the uh, the Jesus of the Sunday school, fill in the blanks with, with different colors. This is the powerful man of God, the Son of God, who died for you and me. And it's not an abstract concept. It's a concept of ultimate power and reality. And I think that there are those that are that see that. But as we know, with as Paul talks about the ecclesia, the church, the church isn't mm-hmm. a place. It isn't a denomination. Right. You know, it, it's someone who's Eastern Orthodox. It's someone who's who's Roman Catholic. It's someone who's who's you know Assembly of God. It's someone who's Calvary Chapel. It does you know, but they all believe in the person of Jesus and they follow him, and they've been washed by his blood. So it's not. You know, it's it's the invisible church, mm-hmm. and and I pray that because of this information that's getting out through you, through Tom Horn, through Steve Quayle, through John Myler, through lo- just lots of different folks, that there is some information coming out. I don't think that it's an accident that this is being talked about right now, even on our program and in other places. 
you know, it, it, the the Holy Spirit is revealing the truth to those who have ears and will listen. I mean, I don't, you know, we don't, we don't always agree on everything. Right. But the bottom line is that there is a spiritual warfare going on, and these absolutely. manifestations are happening. You know, wake up, because you're absolutely right. I In this last year, the amount of stuff on the media, it's now legitimate to talk about it. Right. You know, you don't have to necessarily talk about it tongue-in-cheek. There still is that, you know, where they'll bring up a UFO sighting and yuck, yuck, yuck. But you d look at the, the... That's how it used to be, right. You know, look at the BBC in the UK, a very... You know, they're reporting this stuff because it's going off the charts in the United Kingdom. I mean, there, there are so many sightings by legitimate pilots, by, by police... Uh, that they have to deal with it. So we can see, you know, just uh, just like just before a, a dam breaks, you can see this this water beginning to form. You know, it's there, and and I really think people need need to need to wake up. Certainly. Well, I mean, I <laughs> the the subtitle of politics, probably the supernatural, is the coming great deception and the Luciferian endgame. And it, and it spells out, you know, the return of the Nephilim, this whole UFO thing. And it, there's 25 pages of footnotes at the end of that book. And it, and it, and it tells point by point by point. Um, it takes the reader from A to B, you know, right through the, right through all the letters of the alphabet and, and draws the conclusion that these things are going to manifest. And when they do, it will cause a great falling away. People will be so blown away, so overwhelmed by what they see. And, you know, it's funny. It's just, and, and, and here's, um, I, I looked up the passage while you were talking in, in, in Matthew 27. And, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirits. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. That's <laughs> just flipping ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, give me a break. I mean, that's so... And we read this stuff, and it's like, oh, you know, far out past the peanuts. Uh, yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. It's just because we've heard the story so much, so many times, you know, that we don't realize, like, look, when after after the resurrection, and he's and he, the disciples still don't really get what's going on, they're meeting in the upper room, all the doors are closed, and Jesus just walks through the wall. It's like, you know, I mean, hello... But he's, he, but he's not yeah, a ghost. Yeah, they handle him. He, right. he, he has flesh. I mean, what have you got to eat? First yeah. thing he says. You know, he's always feeding his disciples. He's always having a picnic. I mean, like, come on down to the beach. Let's have a some fish. You know, it's like it's, I just love it. I just, I mean, you gotta, we gotta put ourselves there. But we've been, we were this, this, we're in a way desensitized because we know the story so much. We've read it so much. Oh, it's just Jesus cooking fish for the disciples again. Who cares? Wait a second. Can you imagine that? You know, you're not sure what's going on. You've gone back to the only thing you know how to do, which is fish, and you've been fishing all morning. You haven't caught doodly squat, and, you know, you're sitting there, and some guy goes, hey, what are you doing? And you don't recognize it's the Lord at first, which is really bizarre. What, what's that about? Hey, we're fishing. Well, try the other side. And Peter's just kind of going, oh, give me a break. You know, can you imagine what these guys, and so they, they take the nets up, and they cast them on the other side. All of a sudden, the, the nets are filled with fish unto breaking, and Peter, at that moment, looks at the figure on the beach and goes, Oh, my gosh, it's the Lord. Yep. Throws off his clothes. I mean, I just love this. Throws off his clothes and swims like a crazy man. Because, you know, he is, he's never been restored, really, at this point. Of course, this is what he's about to be restored. And there, you know, he gets to shore, and what's, what's Jesus doing? He's cooking some fish. 
Come on now, sit down and have some breakfast. You've been fishing all night, you're hungry. I just love it. I just love it. And I just, you know, I mean, he is so good, and he's good all the time, and he's just wonderful all the time. That's right. And, it's, and unfortunately, the, the very organization, and I'm, I'm part of it too. You know, I'm, I'm getting into this thing where I'm on show, second radio shows, and if we get into it, I, I take a moment to apologize for all the nonsense that the church has done to people over they the have years. To. Yeah. You know? Because people need to realize it's not, it's not who he is. It's a poor reflection, and we've screwed it up like crazy. It's not stained glass windows and guys with funny hats and stabs and incense and all this craziness that that's, that man, man has built. When you just look at the simplicity of the gospel, there he is, you know, and he restores Peter um, in, in that a little further on in that chapter. It's just, he's amazing. He's just, I can't wait till he comes back. He, and you know, he I can't is wait coming till back. And that, and that is one thing that, that the, the underlying theme here is that all of these are signs and wonders. They're happening. They were prophesied by Jesus. He is coming back. You know, I don't know when. You know, I don't, you know we're not going to set dates here. Right. But we know for sure. We don't know how long we have. You know, we really don't in, in terms of each of our lives. Right. You know, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. We don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, if anyone hasn't that's out there hasn't accepted him, you know, you know we're all we're all given. We all have to give an account, and you know we all have our chance. And actually, whoever's listening to this, if you haven't, this is your chance. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it's not about televangelists. It's not about any of that stuff. It's real. It's a daily walk. It's a wonderful thing. It's a hundred percent supernatural all the time, yep. but in a good way. You know. <laughs> So with that, Lynn, uh, we need to be obviously do this again because I think that uh, <laughs> events are going to ramp up. And I encourage everyone to, to go to the, your blog and go to spiralofalife.com or uh, spiralofalife.wordpress.com and read it. It's a wonderful. I encourage them to, uh, to subscribe to your newsletter. And, uh, and we will talk to you again soon. Great. And thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And God bless you. Thank you, Lynn. All righty, take care. Take care. Bye-bye.